0: Are you in search of a podcast that pokes you lightly with the truth about everything relating to your health, your well-being and general lifestyle habits? I am happy to tell you that you just found the right one. This is Health and Jara, a weekly podcast that deals with topics ranging from health and wellness to everyday lifestyle issues. New episodes drop on Sundays. Hello and welcome to another episode of Health and Jira. Of course, you know that this is your favorite health and lifestyle topic podcast. Now today, as I promised you in the episode before this one, I said we are going to be talking about sudden cardiac arrest. Definitely it has to do with your heart health and who better to do justice to this topic than someone who is a consultant cardiologist and also an, an internal medicine physician her passion is preventive cardiology, which focuses on educating about potentially life-threatening disease conditions, as well as screen for and diagnose these problems. The catch is that she has over 20 years experience as a medical doctor, and she has even more as a consultant in this field. I am talking about the medical director of NAVIN Healthcare ladies and gentlemen please put your hands together wherever you may be for dr monisola Adanijo. good day ma'am hi how are you doing thanks for having me it's a pleasure thank you so much for being here today so straight into the topic today we're talking about sudden cardiac arrest now what does that mean to the layman how would you define it to somebody who has no medical knowledge whatsoever
1: okay so so that's a really interesting question so (laughs) cardiac arrest is when the heart stops okay so the heart is beating and then it suddenly stops like when uh to make to make it easy maybe when you're doing something the police comes to arrest you you have to stop everything you're doing so so that is what cardiac arrest is the heart just
0: stops So how does it happen, especially in people who do uh, do not have any form of um, underlying condition whatsoever? Well, cardiac arrest
1: hardly happens when there's no underlying condition, really. Um, Because now, the heart usually starts beating from when you're in your mother's womb, and it doesn't stop beating until the person dies, obviously. (laughs) So when the heart stops beating, there's usually a reason. The heart can't just stop beating, okay? So reasons why the heart could stop beating is if there's a problem with the electrical supply of the heart okay and the heart starts beating abnormally and stops because your heart actually has an electrical supply and a battery so if there's a problem with that the heart can stop or if there's a problem with the heart muscle the heart can stop or if maybe the person has had other issues like hypertension diabetes that has affected the heart you know the heart can stop suddenly or if there are what we call electrolyte problems like in our body there are different kinds of salts and if some salts are in excess or not enough the heart can stop suddenly so all these are reasons why the heart will sh- just suddenly stop but the use of some drugs can make the heart stop suddenly as well
0: okay i think i'm very particularly interested in the last one you just mentioned the use of some drugs drugs like what
1: okay so Now, drugs are chemicals, obviously, that we put into our body, okay? So things like things that affect the beating of the heart and the electrical activity of the heart, okay? Some prescription drugs can cause it. I won't go into that. So maybe some people who have prescribed heart medication and they use it incorrectly, you know, that can make the heart stop. But other things that are more widely available are things like energy drinks, which contain caffeine and other stimulants. This can can make the heart stop. Um, Things like um, hard drugs, um, cocaine, marijuana, all these things affect the electrical activity of the heart and they can actually lead eventually to a cardiac arrest due to abnormal electrical activity of the heart.
0: now i am very particularly interested again let me use that word oliver again in the energy drinks you mentioned but before i go into that oh there are Mm. people who actually take um who believe that there is nothing wrong with you taking drugs with um carbonated drinks or alcohol and um, i might not be so skilled in this but then i think it sounds really wrong so how do you actually advise people to take their drinks, uh, their drugs, number one? And then if you take it, if you pair your drugs with alcohol or carbonated drinks, is there something, is there a downside? Because I know there is such a thing as drug-drug interaction and, you know, drug and other compounds interaction. So please explain that. Okay, so first of
1: all, um, water is the only healthy drink that you are allowed to drink. Followed closely by natural food juices. By natural food juices, I mean juice you squeeze from, from real fruits, not packet juices. <laughs> now, that saying, the best liquid to use your drug with is water, because water is inert, and it doesn't react with anything. Now, carbonated drinks are not even good for you in the first place, so I wouldn't even advise you to drink them. Sure. Alcohol is also a chemical. It contains ethanol, and this reacts with some medications. I can't remember off the top of my head, the exact drug-drug interactions, but I know that so many medications react with alcohol and give horrible side effects. Mm. So the only uh, liquid you should use to take your medication really is water. And the only liquid you should be drinking is water, followed closely by fruit or vegetable juices. By that, I mean the natural ones, not the ones that are commercially packaged because of sugar and additives you know um yeah and things like that so no i wouldn't advise people to take medicines with um carbonated drinks or alcohol no i wouldn't I-, I-,
0: I wouldn't do that so while we're still digressing and talking about the subject of taking drugs now what do we say to those people who like to put their drugs inside a bar and all that other that um food <laughs> wrap because <laughs> i find that really okay so okay so <laughs>
1: Okay, so that's really interesting. Um, some people don't like swallowing tablets, and that's the truth. Um, there' are some people who who can't swallow those huge vitamins or huge you know tablets. there's nothing wrong in putting tablets inside um, food, you know for people who can't swallow the tablets you know whole like that. Sometimes you may need to crush and put inside pap. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you may need to hide the tablets in well as, like you said bar or amala or something so that it can go down you know as long as the medicine goes down but that's food that's healthy eba is healthy pap is healthy amala is healthy so it's fine
0: okay that that's um that's cool then now moving over back to the topic of energy drains how um how do they <laughs> actually affect the heart and how do they cause a possible so- uh, cardiac arrest in the long run
1: Okay, so energy drinks contain a plethora of stimulants. Okay, caffeine and all that kinds of stimulants. Now, what do these stimulants do? Of course, they keep you awake. They give you energy. You know, they make you less tired. You feel you can do anything when you take them. But they also overstimulate the heart. Mm-hmm. They make the heart beat fast because you cannot select the, the part of your body that the stimulants will affect, obviously. So you can't say, okay, go only to my brain and my muscles. Don't go to my heart. You understand what I'm saying? So the stimulants go all over the body. They get to the heart. They make it beat extra fast. Now, when you take so many stimulants, like a high concentration, a can, two cans, three cans, some people take as high as eight cans of energy drink at a time, mm. your heart starts to beat so fast. It's like you're over revving the engine you understand, yeah. and you are at a danger of, they have to just say, you know what, I'm even tired, and just pack up.
0: <laughs> so what do we again say to those people who mix energy drinks with alcohol?
1: <laughs> okay, so you, you're going to make me an enemy of the state by I, asking me this question.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, we just um, have
1: people to are going expose to, it. People are going to look for me with shotguns. <laughs> so, <laughs> So honestly, energy drinks are not good for you. Um, energy drinks are not good for you at all because of your heart. Like I said, they make the heart beat abnormally fast, and the heart can be prone to having problems from, from that. Um, now, you're not mixing it with alcohol, another problem, because alcohol directly injures the heart. You know, it directly injures the heart muscles. So, you are mixing two things that are bad for you, mm. and you're downing it. And most likely, you're going to be in an environment where there's smoking going on. Either you are smoking or you are inhaling secondary smoke. So a combination of all these things are really bad for your heart. And if I'm a chipping, okay. that is these lifestyle problems that makes heart disease so common in young people. When I was in medical school in the 90s, right, heart disease was said to be common in people in their middle age, above 45, people in their 50s. But now, you're seeing people as young as 20-something, 30-something, coming down with heart disease. And it's really because of all this, quote-unquote, enjoyment. Right. You (laughs) know, oh, we're having fun. Where, you know, I'm living my best life. Mm. And, you know, doing things we shouldn't be doing. And that is why many young people these days, I mean, this week alone, I've heard about so many young people that have just slumped. I can't really wow. remember the number but just off the top of my head at least five wow you know, young men in their 30s that have just slumped you know and it's the same oh heart attack cardiac arrest i mean yeah. it's it's, yes. it's now an epidemic
0: you know there yeah. are many I, I mentioned one time when we we're having the conversation that there are a lot of times i see people who are dancing people who are in the gym People who are just normal, you know, in their sitting room and you just hear that they slumped and died. And it looked like, you know, we are in Africa and they begin to tell you stories of how it's the village people that is affecting them and all that. But then mm-hmm. when you go back to check the lifestyle, they have lived up to that moment. You see that it is not healthy. And um, we like to, we like to gratify our, our desires in the moment. So if at all right now you feel like eating goat meat with a lot of red oil, by all means, it's one life you have to live, look. So you see people eating, just like you mentioned, enjoyment, living the best life, forgetting that there is actually a long-term repercussion. Wow, that is that is so sad. Five people, I, I don't know, I just can't get that number out of my head. Five young people. You know, normally, if it's an old person, it will be like, a mm-hmm. young hey, person has lived a ripe life. But young people, yeah.
1: Let me tell you, over every year, all over the world, 18 million people die from cardiovascular disease every uh-huh. year 18 million that's a lot of people wow heart disease kills more people than some cancers
0: so why are we not beaming the light on these things especially the fact that oh there's preventing there's a
1: lot of talk oh there's a lot of talk about prevention but what i realized is maybe it's because we are in africa and we're nigerians we we f- f- first of all believe if something is not broken don't fix it So if I don't have a problem, if I'm not sick, and by sick, meaning I'm either in pain or I see blood, Mm. I will not go to the hospital. Things that bring people to hospital is either when they see blood or when they're in pain. Those two things, they will show up in the hospital.
0: Or maybe when they will, they even have to
1: beg them. Well, (laughs) but heart disease is so insidious. It creeps up on you and heart disease doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's some precursors. There's some things that exist before you can get heart disease. Things like hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, obesity, you know, sedentary lifestyle, lack of exercise, smoking cigarettes, alcohol. All these things would have been present for a while, you know, affecting the heart slowly. And the way our bodies are designed, our body can cope with so much until the time will come when the body will be like you know what i'm done mm-hmm. and then problems start and it's at that point that people now start being healthy take for example somebody who has had hypertension for five years and is only just been diagnosed because he never did his blood pressure and it's at that point of diagnosis he now starts taking medication he starts going to the gym but he has had five years of prior damage mm-hmm. Now, what his new change in lifestyle will do is prevent further problems. So, so let's say the heart damage is on 2%, right? When we, re- when we know. So by the time he starts exercising and eating right and using his drugs and controlling his blood pressure, it won't progress. It won't get worse. But that damage will be there. You understand what I'm saying? And that can still cause problems because the damage has already been done. Usually in the body, once something has been damaged, it's kind of hard to fix. So what you can do is just like patch it, make it, you know, make it so that it doesn't get worse or something like that. 100% repair, you know, is, is almost impossible. Even when you replace something, you know, you can replace a valve, you can do surgery and do a whatever surgical procedure it's still not like the one god put there and the way god did it you understand what i'm saying yes so the best thing the best way to avoid all the slumping cardiac arrest he slept and didn't wake up you know apart from the village people which is like maybe one percent of all the problems the vast majority of these things are due to preventable causes you know it's so easy to prevent disease it's so simple and to treat treatment is so hard and it's so difficult and so expensive it doesn't cost you anything to check your blood pressure in fact people go around in the markets and check people's blood pressure yes if you enter any good pharmacy they check bp for free if you take your spouse or your friend to the hospital for something else or your child just do your blood pressure many people have been picked up you know because they escorted someone to the hospital and they even had a higher BP than the person they escorted to the hospital.
0: <laughs> the irony.
1: Yes. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Now that we're talking about yeah. blood pressure checks, what are the routine tests or um, the ones that you generally just recommend to people so that they can keep in shape and the ones that can tell you if there is something wrong with you, aside blood pressure checks that is.
1: Okay, so because I'm a cardiologist, I, I tend to stick to what I know. Mm-hmm. So I will be talking about um, checks for the heart because they're different checks for different organs, different conditions. But I'll just stick to the heart tests. Mm-hmm. Now, what you need to know, you need to know some numbers, okay? And it's not your phone number. It's not your bank account <laughs> number. It is your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Your blood pressure is a number. Your body mass index. Okay, that is how fat or how slim you are. That's also a number you must know. Your cholesterol, you must know your numbers. Mm. Your blood sugar, that number you must know. Okay, and you must know these numbers and they must be at least six months old. Maximum one year old. You must know what these numbers are.
0: So basically, make your cardiologist your friend. In fact, make every member of the medical team your friend.
1: Yes, make make them your friend and pay for your services, obviously.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> ah, that is a good one. But then, I think good friends know that they're supposed to pay for the services. Any friend that doesn't want to pay for the services, please, let them stay in 2020. <laughs> we don't want that.
1: <laughs> With COVID, Abby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh wow oh wow this is really good and okay lastly before i um finally before i ask you to drop your last word as we gradually bring this to a close now i have people when i say people i mean about uh, five people that i can remember off the top of my head who are under the age of 30 and are hypertensive and that saddens me every time i think of it so I'm asking now. What do you think can be done? Because obviously there has to be the genetics factor um, involved. Is it just the fact that they have to really um, incorporate healthy lifestyle habits right from the start, or what do you think can be done?
1: So genetics, like if you have a family history of hypertension, it only predisposes you. It's not like you must have have hypertension if you have a family history of hypertension. So so we need to understand that now when you have a family history of hypertension and then you have poor lifestyle choices you you understand what i'm saying that will now make the risk of you getting hypertension even higher so take for example both parents are hypertensive and you don't exercise you eat what you like fast food junk food salty food always eating out you smoke you drink you just generally are living the vida local you You are more at risk of becoming hypertensive even at a younger age than somebody who has a family history and you know is careful about what they eat and things like that and it's in your 20s and your 30s and you're generally careless about all these things because you know you're you're out of the house you have started earning an income and, you know, you realize you can buy what you like. You can eat what you like, you know. Yeah. As in there's nobody controlling you. So people tend to go overboard and, and do what they shouldn't. I have quite a few patients as well who are under 30, who are hypertensive, you oh, know. But, but but really for, for um, such groups of people, you know, for many people, once they change their lifestyle, their BP comes down, and then we now need to. And then, for those who their BPs don't, don't come down well enough, we may now need to add on medication. You understand what I'm saying? But lifestyle is an integral part of BP lowering You can't just swallow BP drugs and still be eating salty food and smoking and say, Oh, I'm, I'm taking my drugs, I'm fine. It really doesn't
0: work that way. I'm very you know, tempted. Lifestyle money. And- right now, Pardon? I just did. Pardon? I didn't hear that. I said, I'm very tempted to call Pringles, but I think I just did. Yeah. Oh, well, well, there's
1: so many, there's so many things on this table and, and, and I really wouldn't want to, to, to shake it. But generally as a rule of thumb, anything that you didn't cook in your house has too much salt in it. Anything that comes (laughs) in a packet has too much salt and, or too much sugar, anything that comes pre-made from a factory has either too much salt or too much sugar so you can think about it in many ways
0: Hmm. and many
1: products are on this table
0: but what about those people who on a normal day actually eat a lot of sugar like the people who actually use sugar in cooking their yam okay so unlike popular belief sugar doesn't directly cause diabetes Mm, so
1: if you eat sugar it doesn't go and kill your pancreas no Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) what sugar does is sugar makes you add weight and when you add weight you are at risk of developing diabetes true true you understand so 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 that's what sugar does so sugar doesn't go and kill your insulin and do all those things what sugar does is if you eat a lot of sugar you're eating lots of calories you will gain weight have a lot of fat around your organs and fat around your abdomen and that now predisposes you to becoming diabetic. And but once you are diabetic, you cannot eat sugar, refined sugar, because that would just make it worse.
0: All right. So uh, let me just go to my last question for today. What exactly is the place of sleep when it concerns cardiovascular health?
1: Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a very topical issue. Now, research has shown that those who sleep less than seven hours every night have a high risk of developing heart disease Mm. so if you're not sleeping well at night then you're at risk of developing heart disease in fact it's an independent risk factor outside smoking and and um, obesity and things like that now how does sleep affect your heart now when you don't sleep okay your 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 body has has a high level of cortisol adrenaline and things like that and what do these things do? They, they directly affect the heart, make the heart beat faster and things like that. They affect your blood vessels. They make you put on weight. Cortisol, high levels of cortisol makes you put on weight around your abdomen and around your organs. This now leads to hypertension. This leads to diabetes and it leads to so many other problems.
0: That sounds really Now people elderly. ask me... <laughs>
1: People ask me, how can I get in seven hours of sleep? I need to get up to go to work in the morning. Unfortunately, people that live in cities like Lagos, you know, that have high traffic. People spend four hours in traffic every day. Honestly, there is no ready-made answer I have for you. All I have is the facts that if you don't sleep, you know, if you don't sleep well every night, then you're going to be predisposed to having heart disease. Now, what can you do? Can you... I don't know live closer to where you work is, is that an option
0: uh-huh, uh-huh, but i know
1: uh-huh. that a lot of people a <laughs> lot of people that don't sleep at night it's not because of traffic it's because of their screens by their screens i mean their phones their computers and their tv yeah. i have friends who stay awake when um, game of thrones was still playing
0: yeah, people would stay
1: awake watching game of thrones People say I up to three o'clock to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm a Game of Thrones fan myself, but I used to wait until morning. I, 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 at least I used to wait, record it at three a.m. Wait until I get back from work the following day to watch it. Even though there will be spoilers everywhere, mm. but I would still record because if you stay up till three a.m., I have to be up by five, and the program is an hour program, so you are up to four a.m. Please, that means you won't sleep at all. Certainly, or You sleep at 12 midnight to wake up at 3 a.m. You've only had three hours of sleep. By the time your morning is over, it's time to get ready for work. (laughs) Some people watch Korean movies. Oh, yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood. (laughs) Some people are working on... Some people bring their work home. So even though though they get home at 7, they're on their laptops till 1 a.m. Or people are on Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, TikTok. So really, you know, I think that's the real problem in the vast majority of people screen time now people say oh how can i be productive and have seven hours of sleep so if you say okay your target is to wake up at 4 a.m right because you need to get ready for work so if you count back um if if you want to wake up at 4 a.m and have seven hours of sleep that means you're going to be sleeping around is that 9 or 10 p.m 9 p.m is a decent yeah, 9 p.m. is a decent time to go and sleep now.
0: That's too early in Lagos.
1: 9 p.m. is a decent time to go and sleep. Darren, you got home late from work because of traffic. 9 p.m. is a decent time to go to bed. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah.
1: So if I, and, I, and, and you find most people, you know, it's like a, it's like a, oh, I'm better than you. I only get two hours sleep every night. They're easy to
0: brag. Oh, yeah. That's you know, not really helpful.
1: Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the aspire to, to perspire table, but aspire to perspire <laughs> at decent times of the day. Yeah. I wake up at 4 a.m. myself, not to get ready to go to work, but to read, do some work, you know, or do something. But you know how... That's why I wake it. up at 4 a.m. Pardon? I said, you know how to balance it. Some don't. Well, balance is part of being an adult. You need to learn how to balance everything. Career, family, love, money you need to learn to balance everything
0: that's
1: that's why you're an adult that's why you're no more a child you know
0: you're dropping gems you're really really dropping and you know poking the hornet's nest and telling people this this gospel truth even though you're very calm with it i hope at least one person is listening and picking all this because it is very very important i think from all the explanations about the sleep one thing i hear clearly is that you have to reorder your priorities anything that you consider Mm -hmm. um really important to you your priorities have to be really reordered so if you consider sleep important to your health and to your heart your cardiovascular health your long-term health then you need to just schedule and arrange and balance because like dr Monisela said balance is the part of you as an adult so in case you're tired of the adult life well i don't know where to unsubscribe for this life we are all in this together (laughs) You you
1: you can't unsubscribe from adult food. (laughs) Sorry. It's not refundable. (laughs) You grew up.
0: (laughs) Well, it's been a lovely time having you on today's episode. Thank you so much for obliging me. And I certainly look forward to more episodes with you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Do have a really, really great day, great evening. And, you know, great every other thing that you decide to do. (laughs) thank you so much thanks for having me my pleasure bye bye